Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Well, welcome to Getting Heaven in the People, episode 5. I'm Dave Ripper, and we're spending 40 days together to help you experience greater spiritual freedom, which is one of the outcomes of when God's kingdom comes and his will is done in your life. To begin today, I'd like to read a few lines from one of the greatest literary masterpieces of the 20th century, T.S. Eliot's poem, Four Quartets. Eliot writes, What we call the beginning is often the end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. The end is where we start from. The end is where we start from. So what is the goal or perhaps the end game of the Christian spiritual life until Christ comes? Throughout the centuries of Christian spirituality, it is commonly accepted that the goal of the Christian spiritual life is union with God. So what is union with God? What is the goal we should be pressing on toward, to use Paul's language from Philippians 3? In our next few minutes together, I'd like to like for us to capture at least just a glimpse of this almost elusive vision, this end of what union with God is like. Now, historically, writers on the Christian spiritual life have described three key stages to our spiritual formation. Purgation, illumination, and union. Purgation, illumination, union. Purgation is the process where one's character is purified. You could call the stage purification, where one's character is purified through confession of sin and a growing detachment from the ways, idols, and the illusions of the world. We'll talk more about that in another episode. But we might think of purgation, of, of seeing it through the lens of repentance, as in repent, for the kingdom of the heavens has come near. Now, the Greek word for repent is metanoia, Metanoia, it is where we get the idea of metamorphosis or change or the kind of transformation that we see a caterpillar experience to become a stunning butterfly. Dallas Willard describes repentance as changing the way you're thinking and acting in light of the opportunity that is at hand, namely the availability of the kingdom of the heavens now. That's the news in the good news, is the availability of this life with God now. Purgation could be well captured through the lens of the parable of the prodigal son. It's coming to one's senses after having squandering life through self-centeredness. It's leaving the pig's trough. It's leaving behind a life of self-absorption and journeying back home to relationship with God. That's the first stage. Purgation. The second leg of the journey is often described as illumination. It's a deepening experience of love and joy and peace with God. If purgation is turning from a life of self-centeredness, 
Illumination is a turning toward God and his kingdom. Our relationship with God in this illumination stage deepens. Our conversations with God become more extensive, richer in quality. Sometimes it actually means using less words rather than more. We learn to contemplate God, to just be with him. And we're able to partner with God more fully in his work in the world. Now, to continue the thread of the story of the prodigal son, in illumination, we find our way back home and we gaze into the eyes of the Father and experience his endless love for each of us as God looks lovingly at you and me. Despite our sins and stains and shame and guilt, he looks at us with unconditional eyes of love. From illumination, then, we move toward our goal of union. This final stage of spiritual formation, of getting heaven in the people, will not reach its ultimate fulfillment until Christ returns, but it is the end to which we should start from every day. Let's explore this idea of union a little bit more from the perspective of the early church and then from the vantage point of Dallas Willard. And what I'm going to share here is from a research paper I wrote in 2021 as part of my Doctor of Ministry program and spiritual direction from Fuller Theological Seminary and the Dallas Willard Center for Spiritual Formation. This is a little bit more technical than other things we will have in uh, this podcast, and so you might want to listen to it again, but I'll probably read a little bit more of this to be as precise and as exact as I can to try and describe what this union with God has historically been and seen and comprehended to uh, to be. So if we go back 1500, 1600 years to kind of the ancient Christian tradition, union with God has been described as the end of all ends, but yet is not a far away goal to reach. In this spiritual stream, union with God is often captured by the term deification, deification, and the Orthodox Church still uses that terminology. According to one teacher in this tradition, Matthew the Younger, the deification that the fathers had in mind, these church fathers had in mind, does not mean the change of the human nature into a divine one. Rather, it means qualifying human nature for life with God and a communion of love. While deification or union in its perfect sense as a life with God cannot be fulfilled except at the resurrection from the dead, we nevertheless have a means of grace and a divine power through the Holy Spirit to lift the barriers that sever life from God. And what is that barrier? It's sin. Yet even despite our sin, foretaste of the deification we will one day experience can become possible through obedience to and communion with the love of God. As Dallas Willard famously stated, we can experience and enter into an eternal kind of life even now. This is the early church's invitation to union with God. And this is a legitimate end to pursue because of the pre-existing union between divinity and humanity that we see in the incarnation. What does union with God look like? It's best seen in Jesus who himself embodies this vision of union. And because Jesus first completed the union of divinity and humanity through love and obedience to Christ, in this tradition we can learn that we can experience more of the Trinitarian life and love ourselves. And this has far-reaching implications for the Christian spiritual life. At its core, union with God 
in this life is about perpetually changing from a life according to the flesh to a life according to the Spirit, to use Paul's language in Romans. So given this vision, the mission of the church is to call people to faith in the person of Jesus. Through faith or trust in Christ, unity with the Trinity is strengthened. And as unity with the Trinity grows, the kingdom of God is manifested in and through us. And the role of prayer for this kind of life or faith and its cultivation is paramount. I love how Matthew the Younger writes, Prayer is the journey to the kingdom. The arrival is union with God. Therefore, our human longing should always be for reaching God, for unity with him. Now, to cultivate this kind of life in the kingdom that leads to union, as we shared, we must rid ourselves and lives of any and all automatic responses that are antithetical to the kingdom. Let me say that again. As we pursue union with God in the communion of Trinitarian love, we must remove all automatic responses that are antithetical to the kingdom of God. So what automatic behaviors, habits, responses exist within you that are counter to the ways of Jesus and the kingdom of God? I hope you'll take some time to really reflect and ponder that. What are the automatic responses, the things that you just intuitively do that pull you away from a life of greater connection to God? Let's turn a little bit now to Dallas Willard. He draws extensively from this ancient Christian spiritual tradition as he paints the broad brushstrokes of what union with God is like. Willard believed union with God was a progressive progress that he identified as a conversational relationship. Think of union uh, in the ancient Christian tradition as deification, and Willard, it's a conversational relationship. In his great book, Hearing God, Willard writes, So our union with God, his presence with us, in which our aloneness is banished, and the meaning and full purpose of human existence is realized, consists chiefly in a conversational relationship with God while we are each consistently and deeply engaged as his friend and co-laborer in the affairs of the kingdom of the heavens. That's simply stunning. Willard characterizes the conversational relationship with God with the analogy of friendship. Think of union with God and friendship. He writes, The biblical record always presents the relationship between God and the believer as more like a friendship or family tie than like merely one person's arranging to take care of the needs of another. But like all healthy friendships, Willard warns his readers to be careful that they do not seek the benefits of life with God more than God himself. He states, I fear many people seek to hear God or have union with God solely as a device for securing their own safety, comfort, and righteousness rather than being in a relationship with God. It's kind of like pursuing a friend for all the things they can give you rather than seeking the friend for the friendship you might be able to share with them. Later in hearing God, Willard espouses the reliable pattern by which we may cultivate friendship with God. And this might be the most important thing you hear in this podcast today. Willard writes, in the progress of God's redemptive work, communication advances into communion and communion into union. 
There's the progress, communication with God that leads to communion, which moves us toward a greater sense of union with him. And to illustrate this, Willard employs the metaphor of marriage. In such a relationship, initial conversations mature into communion, in which there is a profound sharing of thoughts and feelings about our lives, and communion progresses into union, when distinctions like mine and yours evolve into ours. Imagine sharing life with God to such a degree that when you think of what is yours, you're thinking about what is ours with him. So friends, this union with God is the life you were made for. It's the end to which we should pursue. Union with God is what occurs when heaven gets into people. It's the longing underneath every other longing you have. It's this end that we start from. Union with God is the goal of the spiritual life. And over these next weeks together, each session, we're going to spend time together talking about how each of us might take steps toward this goal of union with God. It's this end that we start from. And I look forward to getting to share this time with you. Grace and peace, friends.